Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. Today we are on episode 71 and talking about Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. While we're only a few weeks into the new year, I am very excited about my no buy book year and I think it's going really well so far. I think I've got a pretty good list of books that I plan to read this year, both for my own pleasure as well as for the podcast. My list of books not only has the books that I want to read, but also where I can find them and not pay for them. I am still using Scribd, which I've been so thankful to share with everyone and some of my real life friends too. If you haven't checked out Scribd yet, Use my link in the show notes to get 60 days of Scribed free. It's great for both ebooks and audiobooks. I'm using it primarily for audiobooks, though I'm going to say this year because I'm on that no buy book here, I might use it a little more for the ebooks. I'm not paying for it myself right now, so that's why it's part of my no buy book here because I'm not paying the subscription at this point. I haven't yet gone out to hit up my local little free libraries for books, though it's on my list of things to do soon and I might be able to get out this weekend. I do work on Saturday, but maybe Sunday if I feel motivated, I might get out and about and find some books at my little free libraries in the area. I'm also on a pretty busy street, so I think it would be a readily used one if I got a little free library of my own. I'd love to have one at my house to share my love of reading, and I still have stacks of books that I need to get rid of, and I think this would be a great way to share some books. One of my really good friends is a contractor, so I might have him build my little free library for me. I'll pay him, of course, but I might need to get a little more serious about this if I'm going to make it happen this year. As I said, this is the year of self-care and self-respect. feels a little dumb and embarrassing sometimes to recognize the growth that I'm having in this self-respect category. I kind of blatantly ignored some red flags that were flying right in my face in the in a past couple of relationships. But now that I've become more aware of how I want to respect myself, those red flags are definitely much easier to see. I was talking to some friends about this and how I can easily justify some of those red flags sometimes or I was able to and how I was able to ignore them, but I'm just not going to justify bad behavior anymore. It's kind of terrifying and empowering all at the same time, but it's definitely keeping me grounded. It's something I've talked about numerous times as well that a lot of our reactions as humans are based in fear. And while honestly, I've never been afraid to be alone, I have been afraid I'll never find a person that does X or is like X or makes me feel like X. And in those fears, I've kind of made these justifications and allowed for people to treat me less than what I deserve. But I'm getting off on a tangent about how my year is going, which it's going pretty great. And I really can't complain. Again, I'm life is just moving in absolutely the right direction for me. But let's move in right away to the booze. So with the book today with Queenie, I definitely could have gone for either a wine or a beer. It's just the kind of book that makes you think friendships and social events. So 
anything would be a good pairing almost. Though I decided to go with a beer on this one because if I was hanging out with Queenie and her friends, we'd definitely be hanging out a pub drinking a tap beer. So for me, the best pairing for this week was Lakefront River West Stein. It's my pub drink, and it's one of my favorites. I've probably shared a lakefront brew before. They're definitely a staple of the Milwaukee Brewing Company, or brewing community, anyways. Lakefront Brewery was actually started by brothers Russ and Jim in 1987. It started out as a small hobby for the brothers, and according to the Lakefront Brewing website, they began brewing with 55-gallon stainless steel drums and used dairy equipment. On December 2nd, 1987, they sold their first barrel of beer to a tavern within rolling distance of the brewery. And I love that because, of course, this is Wisconsin, and for them to start using dairy equipment was just classic, I thought. (laughs) Also, per their website, Lakefront currently offers 20 different beers available in over 30 states and distributed to the Crane, South Korea, Sweden, China, and Canada. River Weststein is one of my favorite of their offerings. It's an amber lager. It's got a great caramel malt and rich toasted amber color. It's 5.8% ABV and 24 IBUs. So slightly hoppy tang, but nothing overpowering. It's a nice medium bodied beer. So it's easy to have a few without it weighing you down. Since it's my go-to pub beer, I always pair it with some bar food, which generally ends up being, of course, fried cheese curds since we're in Wisconsin (laughs) or I'm in Wisconsin. And if I'm at my favorite place reading, then I almost always get their Reuben rolls. They have the most amazing hand-rolled Reuben rolls with their own homemade dressing to dip it in, and it's phenomenal. I'd also pair it with a nice grilled steak. This is a beer that can stand on its own, and so it should be paired with a meal that can definitely stand on its own as well. Let's get into the author today. So similar with many authors I've actually been reading lately, Candace Carty-Williams is not an author I had heard much about. This is from Wikipedia. Candace Carty-Williams was born in St. Thomas's Hospital, Westminster, and grew up in South London, living at various times in Croydon, Clapham, Stratham, Ladywell, and Lewisham. Her mother is of Jamaican Indian heritage, and her Jamaican father had come to Britain at the age of 16 and worked as a cab driver. Cardi Williams has said of her parents, neither of them are readers, though my dad does have thousands of records, which is maybe where I get my love of collecting things, in this case books, from. My grandparents were all born in Jamaica, as were my great-grandparents, with the exception of my granddad, who was born in India. She has said, growing up, I never felt I could write. Writing is something I came to really late, and I guess I'm finding my confidence because I never thought it was an attainable career. She studied for a degree in communication and media studies at the University of Sussex, after which she decided to try to enter the publishing industry. Cardi Williams also has her own website, and this is the bio from her website. Candace Cardi Williams is a writer and author of the Sunday Times bestseller, Queenie, Queenie has been described as vital, disarmingly honest, and boldly political, and has been shortlisted for the Waterstones, Foils, and Goodreads book of 19, or, oops, 2019, (laughs) 
as well as selected as the Blackwell's debut of the year. In 2016, Candace created and launched the Guardian and Fourth Estate BAME Short Story Prize and First Inclusive Initiative for its kind of in book publishing. Candace has written for Guardian, ID, Vogue International, every iteration of the Sunday Times, Beat Magazine, Black Ballad, and more. She will probably always live in South London. Her website has links to her interviews as well as other articles that she's written for various publications. And I read several of her articles, and she's clearly an important voice in journalism for both women and people of color. Her article on Kanye West from May 2nd, 2018 was spot on. And of course, West has become very vocal and is doing a ton of damage to people of color as a person of color. And I would love to hear what she has to say about his behavior now. Though recent news of his apparent marriage had me standing, still standing on the idea that he is extremely mentally ill and he needs intervention now. That is not in any way an excuse for his anti-Semitic and racist behavior. That man is ill. (laughs) But I don't want Wes to overshadow the brilliance of Cardi Williams, though. She's definitely an author that fascinates me, and I'm adding her to my list of authors that I want to have a drink with. Maybe sometime we can go out to a pub together in uh, Britain. Getting into the book now, I honestly can't remember where I heard about this one. And I also didn't know that it had had been dubbed the Black Bridget Jones, which, in my opinion, is at the very least odd. First of all, I hate when books are compared to other books this way. I'm all for, you know, I like this book and this one had similar themes. So if you like this book, you might like this book. But when books are dubbed like this way or like it's the next big thing, I'm just really turned off by those marketing strategies. To be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of Bridget Jones. Like the books weren't bad. The movies weren't terrible either. But if I had had this heard this comparison before I read the book, I might not have actually read it. So I actually kind of went into this one not knowing what it was about. And sometimes that can be a blessing. In this case, it was. (laughs) It's the story of Queenie, who is a journalist in her mid-20s, who's just moved out of the apartment she shared with her longtime boyfriend. Finding herself newly single, Queenie navigates a new world of living with roommates and the dating scene of the 2020s. I found myself in a similar situation, of course, earlier in 2022. Thankfully, without the roommate situation though. So I easily slid into this book right alongside of Queenie. It's an easy read while dealing with some really intense themes. And I pulled this quote from Wikipedia that Cardi Williams said in an interview regarding the comparison between Bridget Jones and Queenie. And she said, quote, that's how I thought of her in the beginning too. But this book is also naturally political just because of who Queenie is. She's not Bridget Jones. She never could be. And then speaking on CBS Local, Cardi Williams further explained, quote, it's such a personal story, but it's one that is universal as well. It's not autobiographical, but it's themes I've borrowed from my life and my friends' lives. And I honestly don't think it's political per se. The issues that come up for Queenie as a person of color are the things that she just deals with in life. And I don't think racism is or should be political. While topics that come up in the book like Black Lives Matter have become politicized, the desire as a person of color to be treated as an equal should not be a political issue. I think it's a human rights issue. 
And Cardi Williams writes these themes beautifully, making the themes of racism and sexual harassment part of the natural course of the story rather than including them in the story for the sake of being outspoken or political. I'm not a person of color, but I've lived through similar things that Queenie has. So it resonates with me and it's great to get her perspective. I consider myself an ally of the LGBTQ plus community, as well as people of color and other populations that are marginalized. Queenie talks about how she gets frustrated by her white liberal friends and how she phrases that reminds me that no matter where I'm at in being an ally, I don't know what it's like being a part of some of these communities. And so it's really important to continue to educate myself. Sometimes we get on our high horses of thinking that we're better people because we're allies and that sometimes we become part of the problem too. Recognizing that we need to continually learn and grow our keys in that learning and becoming better allies. The book is set up with flashbacks that go back to her relationship with Tom. And one of the things we learn as a reader is that her relationship with Tom was really not all that great. (laughs) And it's true that sometimes we need hindsight and perspective to see the truth. That's certainly been the case for me in a lot of relationships. Tom's family was blatantly racist and he never stood up for Queenie. It's easy as one of those white liberals to recognize that type of racism. Though I love how Cardi Williams goes into how the most well-meaning people can still have threads of racism in them. And it's not about making people feel bad. It's about recognizing these traits, beliefs, or behaviors that are damaging. I realize that some people push back against the idea of white privilege and some of these other themes that are in the novel and that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I understand that it can be a sensitive topic, though it's not about trying to make people feel bad. It's about understanding more how the world works, how these things run really deep and can be very unconscious, and that we first need to be aware before we can create that change. And becoming aware and some of that awareness can feel really personal sometimes, but that's how we learn and grow. That's It's hard to push ourselves outside of the, that box that we're used to, but it's so important to push ourselves if we are going to grow and become better people. So as Cardi Williams notes, she needs to acknowledge racism since it's just part of who Queenie is as a person, and it's about her natural experiences. And along with this comes the sexual harassment. And as I was reading, I was nodding along a little and laughing a bit. But now, recounting both Queenie's experiences alongside of mine, it's really pretty sad how common it is for women to deal with sexual harassment. She experiences it on early in the novel when she's looking for an apartment. It's part of her online dating experience where she experiences a bunch of guys talking to her about sex and notes that it's basically, quote, thinly veiled sexual harassment. Online dating is exactly like that, full of men making inappropriate comments and flat out soliciting for sex. Personally, I had one guy that actually thought sexting was flirting. (laughs) Queenie had one line where she says, quote, is this what growing into an adult woman was having to predict and accordingly arrange for the avoidance of sexual harassment? And that hit me hard because it's a truth. It's a bullshit truth, but it is a truth. And as a callback back to Bridget Jones, 
Didn't Bridget Jones teach us that office romances are always a bad idea? I learned from personal experience before I even turned 21 that office romance are, is, are a bad idea. Queenie, however, misses that one, and her office romance bites her in the ass even worse than she could have expected. It's not just that dating is hard, it's that women deal with that power imbalance constantly. Queenie, while responsible enough to go get STD testing done, doesn't practice safe sex and makes some ridiculously bad decisions that put her in some dangerous situations. It's easy to look back on the decisions I made at Queenie's age and recognize the danger, but it seems worse and almost more terrifying now. But maybe that's because I've lived a little bit more. <laughs> Queenie also continues to text her ex-boyfriend, Tom, hoping for that reconciliation. And it's truly heartbreaking to read, though maybe it's because I've been in that position and it's heartbreaking when you're going through it. Thankfully, I've learned my lesson enough to know that when it doesn't work out, there's no good reason to keep going back. And there's a good reason it didn't work out. And you know, you got to let things go. And while it's easy to say, it's never actually easy to do. And that's part of the heartbreak in Queenie's story. Tom also calls Queenie, quote, too much. And this resonated with me in a couple ways. There's the stereotype that I heard in this comment about the angry black woman. It's part of that consistent racism that Queenie is dealing with, whether it's blatant or it's that underlying current. Because Tom doesn't outright call her a black, an angry black woman, but just that she is too much. And it also resonated based on how women are constantly told to suppress their emotions. And again, honestly, it's not just women. It's a problem for men too. Men aren't allowed to show emotion. As a society, we're constantly told not to show our emotions and feelings. And while I do agree there's something important in managing our emotions in the right way, man, I have said this before, there's just sometimes that I can't control those tears. I've definitely been called too much. And when that came up, I felt a physical pain right alongside a Queenie in that moment. Though with all of this that Queenie's dealing with, she's got her friends and friends are vital to our survival and Queenie's relationship with her friends is what makes the story what it is. I haven't yet found my person. There are a lot of people out there that are fortunate enough to have found their person. Having that person is great, but you also need the right people around you to support you. You need those people who know you and support you through it all. The ones you can call and bitch to when you've had a bad date or a really challenging day. And they're also the ones that you can call to celebrate your successes and laugh with. Queenie and her friends are so real. And I mean that in not like they're real people sort of way, but they are real in the way that we're all human, where they have their imperfections, their faults, and they truly value each other. They make mistakes. They pay for those mistakes and they figure out how to be friends through it all. I've talked about my friendships as well and how they wax and wane. They are full sometimes and others you don't talk to for weeks, months, and sometimes years. But there are those friends that will always be there for you in life. If we're comparing to Bridget Jones here, her friends were not part of the story and Cardi Williams gets it. It's not the partners who make our lives worth living, but it's our friends. And therapy too. I love that she went to therapy. This was the icing on the cake for me. It's almost sad that my single life has so much in common with a book about a 20-something, but there are definitely too many similarities. <laughs> so 
Queenie goes to therapy because she's really struggling with her mental health throughout the novel. It's a roller coaster that's similar to a real life experience. And while her family is against it at first, they quickly see that Queenie's not okay and eventually support her bid for therapy. Her therapist says to her, quote, the road to recovery is not linear. And while this is something that I know very well, it was good to be reminded of. I'm very hard on myself sometimes, and I'm working to give myself more grace. I'm not 100% myself, and I still slide backwards sometimes, but I'm definitely on the right path. This was such a smooth, fun, and easy read. It definitely came at a great time in my life for me to really enjoy it, but I can definitely see where it might not be as relatable to some people. I gave it a three and a half out of five. Goodreads gives it a 3.87. One reviewer said, quote, this is the kind of novel whose excellence sneaks up on you. The beginning is kind of rocky and I wasn't sure where it was going, but then it gets great and unputdownable. This is an amazing novel about what it means to be a black girl whose world is falling apart and needs to find the strength to put it back together. Queenie is the kind of narrator you cannot help but root for, even though she, even as she makes infuriating choices. Another said, quote, a tiresome novel that makes me cranky. Everything about Queenie screams middle school angst. And I have to totally disagree with this. There are some very serious themes here that are not just angsty. Is there some relationship bullshit in it that feels adolescent? Absolutely. But let me tell you, check out the dating over 40 subreddit and you'll find much more childish behavior there than what you'll find in this novel. And it's actually really sad because a lot of these posts on the subreddit is 40, sometimes 50 year olds. And that is really adolescent at times. This book is a lot more mature. So I'd love for that reviewer to check out that subreddit and come back and see what they think about the novel after that. A lot of the reviews also called out the Bridget Jones comparison in the same way I did. It's a bad comparison, and I wish they would just drop that as a marketing ploy because I think it's doing more harm than good. I did love this one, though. I can certainly see where it could be polarizing. It's not something, if it's not something you'd normally pick up, it's one to try. It gives easy access to some important themes while being a fast and enjoyable read. Media recommendations this week, Slumberland, which was on Netflix. So this is a beautiful, fun, and heartbreaking family movie. Jason Moma plays Flip, who guides a young girl on a quest through her dreams to reunite with her dead father. It was fun and clever. My son made me watch it, but if you're sensitive at all, just be warned, it is very sad. I sobbed at the end, like not just a few tears, but like I sobbed. It was really heart-wrenching and um, I, like I was crying so hard that I couldn't even talk, but it was still a really good movie and I liked it. <laughs> also, Wondermind, we're coming back to this one. This is the website that Selena Gomez created in 2022 with two friends. I mentioned it a while back when it was still new and not terribly comprehensive. Well, it is comprehensive now. It's full of wonderful articles and resources that focus on mental health. Health perused many of the various articles and gotten a lot of great information from them. I also recommend listening to the podcast, The Business of Feelings. There are only 10 episodes out at the moment, but I listened to all of them. And as someone who has both depression and anxiety, I found value in each and every one of them. 
Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at don't read drunk, email me at don't read drunk at gmail.com or check out my website. Don't read drunk.buzzsprout.com. No apostrophe in any of the don'ts on those. This is a hobby podcast. So if you are able to support me, you can do so with a one-time donation through PayPal using my email, don'treaddrunk at gmail.com, or you can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don'treaddrunk. Thank you so much to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sun Up, who created the music. You can find One Up Till Sun Up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. That is the number one, U-P-T-I-L-S-U-N. UP. Also Avenue Coffee House. You can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue-coffeehouse.com. Also the newly opened Supernova Coffee and Donuts downtown Milwaukee. Next episode, I Am Not Who You Think I Am by Eric Rickstad. Bye and talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.